Amen. When I, uh, I watched that video this week, just as I was looking for an appropriate one to commence our sermon this Sunday, and when I saw that and heard it, I just thought, that's so beautiful. What a wonderful way to introduce the message all about surrender. And um, just as I'm introducing it, perhaps uh, this would be an opportune time for the crew, the young people, to head out to your class, which is going to be to my left in the fireside room today. We had a little bit of damage, water damage yesterday after the storm in the youth room, so they're meeting in the fireside room over here. Anybody want, maybe we want to just sing that chorus without any music, without any beautiful music that we've been experiencing already, but just I surrender all. Maybe I'm going to get my husband to start it. Because <laughs> he's so good at that. me feel very emotional as I think about the impact of what that actually means in our lives to surrender all. Uh, have I gotten that right, completely right at this point in my life? Nope. <laughs> but I pray all the time that I would surrender, release control of my wants, my wishes to the Lord because that's the very best thing that I can do. I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Brian introduced our sermon series for this period of time last week on the Lord's Prayer, reminding us of the amazing and intimate prayer connection that we can have with our Heavenly Father. Our Father, who is a caring, He is a constant, He is a close and a competent Father who takes a personal interest in you and me. And uh, we want to thank Nathan. He, um, he actually had made up for us this beautiful bookmark that if you haven't already received as you were coming in, I hope you take, you get one at the Welcome Center as you leave because it's uh, the Lord's Prayer on the very back. Just a beautiful bookmark that, re bookmark that reminds us of the prayer that the Father taught us to pray. The Lord's Prayer is given by Jesus in Matthew in his Sermon on the Mount when he had preached to a crowd, and then I think on a more intimate level, he was speaking to his disciples, and he shares this long prayer that could possibly not just have taken hours, but even days, um, and he reminds the disciples that praying to the Father isn't meant to be done just from a um, public spectacle purpose. If your purpose is to look and sound good in front of people, that's not the point of prayer, but rather it is to spend time in prayer with the Father intimately as you would converse with your closest friend. And then in Luke 11, Jesus is asked by one of the disciples to teach them to pray. And again, he, he shared this prayer that is not meant as a special formula. So if you get a couple of the words, you know, not perfect, that's okay. It's a, it's a pattern or a model. It's, it's, a, it's to inform us how to approach God in prayer, in conversation. So 
So as we continue in this study today, I want us to linger today specifically on this second phrase of our prayer, which says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's from Matthew 6. And it's a beautiful phrase of surrender to God. And again, that's what I I said, that's why I used it in the intro video, to remind us that surrendering to our Father is the posture and the attitude that Jesus wants us to bring to his Father. Surrendering to the God of the universe and our personal Heavenly Father. All of the uncomfortable circumstances and people and problems that are in our lives In life, it's not just only, but it's the very best and wisest thing that we can possibly do, isn't it? To surrender to our caring and our constant, our close, competent Heavenly Father. And it is the only solution for personal serenity in light of all the stuff that is in our lives and around us, that we carry around with us. This week, as I was packing up some of my books for my my, uh, bookshelves in my office, I came across a little booklet entitled, believe it or not, it's by J.I. Packer, Praying the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, how convenient that is. And he made some simple, it's just a little booklet taken actually from another book uh, that he wrote years and years ago. But he made some simple observations about this phrase, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He stated that the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is. We know that, but I just, I love that. And he goes on to say that God's kingdom for now is not a place, but rather a relationship. And it exists wherever people enthrone or crown or make Jesus Lord of their lives. That if he's king in your heart, then the kingdom of God is within you. Amen? Amen to that. And one day, when Jesus returns, the kingdom of God will be both a relationship and a place because the kingdom of God will be where Jesus is ruling and he will rule. He will be ruling over the earth, over all the earth. So in one sense, yes, the kingdom of God is here now in those of us who are believers of Jesus Christ. And in another sense, the kingdom of God remains future and it awaits the day of Christ's return when he will rule and reign the entire universe and Satan will be destroyed. And so we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we keep praying that personally and corporately for the entire population of the world because so much of what goes on in the world is not God's will. We need to understand that. So much of what goes on is not God's will. God's will is not people making bad choices and bad decisions. God's will is not millions of people starving to death or dying in wars that continue to be waged. That's the will of people who are greedy and corrupt and have the power to manipulate for selfish gain. That is not God's will. The evil one still has a grip on people of this earth. And so this prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is yes, a global prayer for all the nations, for all people. But I want to put a focus, um, more focus this morning, in the fact that it is a personal prayer. 
that Jesus says, where you say, God, you're in charge. And the things that are uncontrollable in my life are what I want to give to you. Because the kingdom of God starts with you and I. And surrendering to God all, every part of our lives. And that means, it means first of all, letting go of control. Letting go of control. In the Psalms, we read, Let go and know that I am God. I rule the nations, I rule the earth. And most of us would know that verse to say, Be still and know that I am God. But the Hebrew translation literally means, Let go, calm down, relax, lighten up. The more I look at this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, the more I realize that it is a lifestyle change for us. I don't know what you or I are going to face next week. You don't either. But I can already tell you that no matter what happens, God wants us to let go of our control of it and acknowledge that he's in control. For some of us, the more out of control life gets, the more controlling we become. It's human nature. For some of us, the more out of control life gets, the more insecure and frightened and worried we feel, and the more controlling we become. And that reaction, as you know, doesn't change anything or work for us. And so Jesus tells us to pray this prayer of surrender, thy will be done. Many of you have heard of the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I know that Alcoholics Anonymous adopted that prayer early on in its inception. And although I can't be sure, but I know I read somewhere that this prayer, serenity prayer, originated from the Lord's Prayer. Whatever the case, wherever the origin, the serenity prayer lines up with the Lord's Prayer and this phrase of surrender. In fact, there's more to the serenity prayer that isn't as commonly repeated, which says, living one day at a time, and Jesus taught that, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. That's a long sentence, but it's a beautiful statement and prayer for us. It makes a lot of sense. The part that says, I'm going to accept what I can't change. I'm going to take it like Jesus did. The sinful world, not as I would have it, but as it is, trusting that ultimately God will one day make everything right and there will be a new heaven and a new earth Amen. surrendering to his will. That's what that means. And that's where all the power is. The Bible says, if a person's thinking is controlled by his sinful self, there is death. 
But if his thinking is controlled by the Spirit, then there is life and peace from Romans. Surrendering to Jesus doesn't just mean letting go of control. It also means learning to be content. Somewhat similar, but different. So that no matter what happens in my life this week, this month, this year, that I can't control, that I can't change, learning to be content is key, is important. We cannot change the fact that we may, we may be laid off our current employment situation. We can't change the fact about a lot of things in our lives. We can't change the fact about some of the health issues that we have necessarily. We can't change the fact that loved ones have passed on. We can be fearful and worry about the circumstances in our lives, but that doesn't do anything. We can get bitter about certain things in our lives, but that just makes things worse. And we can often have a pity party about situations in our lives, but that doesn't change anything either. There's only one thing that works in those situations that we can't change, that is surrendering it to God and learning, learning to be content. We are all, many of us, are familiar with the famous verses from Paul in Philippians 4 where he says, I have learned to be satisfied or content with the things that I have and with everything that happens. I know how to live when I'm poor and I know how to live when I have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being happy, being contented. At any time in everything that happens, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. When Paul wrote those words, he was not at the Holiday Inn. He was chained to a Roman soldier in a damp, dark prison in Rome. So he knows what he's talking about. He's speaking from experience. He's a credible witness to the fact that he learned to be content. He knows, he says, I know how to be up. I know how to be down. Plenty or not, I know how to go through a recession. I know how to go through good times. I've learned to be content. That means there's effort and time put into this understanding of what it means to be content. It is. Contentment is a learned experience. And by nature, most of us aren't contented people, at least not all the time. By nature, I'm not naturally content. It's something I have to continue to learn. It's a choice. It's also a mark of emotional maturity, and that it is only possible through the strength of Christ. One of the problems that we have with contentment is that we're always looking for explanations to the why things in life. Why this? God doesn't tell us why most of the things happen in our lives. And that pretty much can annoy us at times. But that's exactly how we learn to let go and to be content. And no explanation of the whys ever takes away our pain, our discomfort, 
It won't bring back a loved one. It won't change any circumstances when we have the answers to those whys. What we need when we're going through pain, we're going to go through, or the difficult situations, is God's presence. We need God's love, and we need him in our lives to be in relationship with him. And the Bible says in Psalm 37, surrender yourself to the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's learning to be content. Maybe you're angry with God for a situation in your life. Maybe because your marriage is disappointing. Your kids haven't turned out maybe the way you wanted them to, or you have an unfulfilled dream that just didn't materialize. But the thing is, our discontentment is robbing us of our inner peace. So the Lord gave us this prayer, which is a prayer of surrender. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In my life, Lord, help me to let go of control and help me to be content with the stuff that I don't understand or I can't change. And then the last thing I want to say about this prayer of surrender is that it also means laying down my plans. Laying down my plans. In James, he says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen? Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I remember when I was a little girl, my dad used to say that once in a while, you know, when I was making big plans. And it ticked me off when I was a little girl. <laughs> and to be quite honest with you, it still can rub me sometimes the wrong way when I understand that, you know, we can make plans, but God has to be in the plans, and we have to lay them down so often. The reality is these verses of surrendering our will to the Father often goes against our grain. Thy will be done. Our natural bent leans to being self-absorbed so that it's really frustrating when we have to change our plans. Yet God calls us to live out this prayer of surrender. And of course we need to make plans. Of course we need to set goals. That's being wise and a good steward of our lives. But it's so much wiser to hold those plans loosely so that we allow God's will to have the final say, which means that we need to be talking about him to begin with before we even make those plans in the first place. Jesus said, if you insist on saving your life, which means I'm going to control my time, my money, my relationships, because it's, it's all about me after all. He said, whoever finds his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. And whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it. 
That is, life with me for all eternity. That's from the Amplified Version. It's like this. I lay down my plans. I lose my life by using my life, my time, my money, my energy for the benefit of God and for the benefit of other people. Jesus said in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But we don't often remember 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus surrendered, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's what it means to surrender, to be like Jesus and lay down our plans and surrender. And as a result, Scripture says that God will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life. More than anything else, God wants us to learn to be like him, to lay down our lives as he did. And in order to be like God, it means that we have to learn to love like God. And in order to love like God, we have to be in relationship with him through Jesus. And the kingdom of God will be in us. He wants us to care for the things that he cares for. And the thing that he cares for most is not a thing. It's people. He doesn't care about our money. He doesn't care about a lot of the things that we care about. He says loving people like he does is having the kingdom of God in us. So, as I've been talking about surrender, I wonder if there's been any things in your life that have come to mind that you have not surrendered to him. The things that you do not hold loosely. Understanding that ultimately God wants us to lay down whatever that is before him and allow him to direct us in our lives. Do we hang tightly onto control of our finances? our relationships, even anger that we hold on to. Have we surrendered our anger, our unforgiveness about something or someone in our lives? And perhaps there's other things in your life that you have not fully surrendered to Jesus. A habit hurts. Maybe there's someone that has not surrendered their life to Jesus himself. Just inviting Jesus to come in. Surrendering to Jesus is the ultimate expression of faith. Now, I won't pull the wool over your eyes. Jesus said in Luke 14, you must give up everything, surrender everything you have to be my follower. But when we come to Jesus and live in surrender to him, we're living the best life that we can. Jesus said in Mark 10, I assure you, 
and most solemnly say to you, there is no one who has given up a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake who will not receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. In other words, God says, you give up for me, whatever you give up for me, I'm going to restore it a hundredfold in your life. We don't understand that at this moment, but it's true. Whatever give we give up, God returns a hundredfold. That's 10,000% interest. There is no investment in the world that will give you 10,000% interest. I want to say to you this morning, surrender. Let go. Lay down your plans. Surrender your life to God. And he will restore and multiply whatever you think you have to give up in your life. And that's an amazing thing. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Let's pray together. Father, we look for solutions to the problems and the circumstances in our lives all the time. And we look look for explanations when really all we need to do is look to you. I pray today, God, that um, those who are experiencing deep stress will experience the serenity of surrender. God, I know that there are some here who perhaps held on or held out for so long they don't even know how to let go. And I pray that they will just understand that all they have to do is simply invite you to take control, to be the king of their hearts. That's all that is needed. And then you, you walk with them and show them the way. Your plan is for us to lay down our plans and our purposes and let you take control. And God, I know personally that that is the only way as we completely surrender that we can have full contentment, full peace, full freedom in our lives to be who you've designed us and patterned us to be. So Lord, just bless us today. Help us to remember this prayer of surrender. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing one of our closing songs, and the one, the one that we're going to sing in this moment, the Cam and Philly are going to lead us in, is Thy Will. And the words remind us that it's not easy surrendering to God when we've been calling the shots, but it's worth it. The words remind us from this song that God is a caring, close, constant, and competent Father, and He sees us and he hears us, and he knows us, and his plans for us are good. So may the kingdom of God be within each one of us, and may we say, thy will be done.